a Bible with you this, uh, this evening. We are going to be in Mark chapter 1. Uh, the reading of God's Word is Mark chapter 1 here uh, at verse 4. This is the Word of the Lord. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him. They were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with, their, with the hired servants and went after him. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. You likely know the hymn, uh, Prone to Wander, maybe the line, I should say, of the hymn, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It, Prone to Leave the God I Love. <clears throat> Indeed, that has become a very popular hymn, one that has been etched into our hearts in our days and well-loved and popular as such. You know, various lines and music of hymns have a way of working in, you know, down deep into the very bones of our being, right? Uh, those, those lines and those various phrases and words are etched in the heart, and we take it in, and, and in many, many respects, they guide us in everyday life and everyday faith, and we praise God for hymn writers and the truths that are expressed in such hymns. I read this week in the book, The Whole Church Sings, that's the name of the book, The Whole Church Sings, that Robin Lever, he spoke of the old pastor and teacher out of the 1500s, the German reformer, Martin Luther, and about Luther's commitment uh, to setting up uh, or stirring up the Reformation. And one way that he stirred up the Reformation was by the singing of hymns. Here's a quote now. Luther set his German litany to song, and he printed it, in this small catechism, which was for the ordinary person, especially in the villages, who knows nothing about the Christian faith. So he's especially wanting to work the truths out to those in villages and place, in, in places where people were illiterate. He was singing, learning those songs, that the truth would be set forth. Well, why would Luther set this theology like this to music? Well, because singing, right, singing has a way just to work into the heart, to work into the mind. 
Uh, it goes into the core of our being, as we have said. Lever, this author, suggests that after 1523, 1517 was the resurrection or the Reformation, 1523, after then, these hymns began to appear and the Reformation really took hold. Well, Luther knew something about singing the truth. Tonight, we're not going to sing about repentance. That's our topic. We're not going to sing about repentance per se. But we are going to look at this scripture, looking at this truth that indeed is a good gift to us from God. So what about what about repentance? What about this good gift that he gives us of repentance? Well, in Mark chapter 1 here in our verses, there are going to be three areas to highlight, three matters to bring home to us. Repentance, first of all, is more than conviction about sin. It's more than conviction. Secondly, it's not about going to a substitute Jesus. Repentance is not about going to a substitute Jesus. And then lastly, it's not merely thinking about personal, particular sins. Repentance is more than even about our personal sins particular sins, as we'll see in this passage. It's something greater, as we'll see. Let's take up this first one. One of our highlights tonight from the passage on the topic of repentance, it's more than conviction of sin. Look at verse 15 in our passage. Jesus is now preaching. This is the essence of his message. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, when Jesus begins his ministry, he brings together repenting and believing. You can almost paraphrase one of the verses that Jesus spoke elsewhere. What God has so joined together, let not man separate. (laughs) Right? You see, our tendency is to separate repentance from believing. How do we do it? How do we go about this separate? Well, We know that repentance involves seeing our sin. We know that repentance involves feeling our guilt. We know something that, yes, that that we, we know something of our conviction and our guilt. We also know something about shame about our sin. But for many of us, that's often where we stop. The action step in this passage with Jesus' announcement about the kingdom of God being at hand This moving forward gospel point of our Lord's is that repentance is coupled with believing. We're to believe the gospel. Yes, repentance involves knowing something of our misery and our sin and our ruin, our guilt, our shame. Seeing God's word rightly and we measure our, our lives against God's word and we see it rightly. Indeed, there's conviction about repentance. But Jesus is telling us, he's announcing the gospel. He is saying in so many words, do you believe me? He's calling people unto himself. Do you believe me and who I am as the gospel, the one who brings the good news, the very Lord of heaven and earth, the one who's calling all men and women and children to repent and believe him? But do you believe something about me in terms of my mission? I am calling to claim people. I am calling to bring people unto myself. Why? Because he is about his ministry and mission to be that well-pleasing sacrifice for our sins. Think of repentance moving us to Christ this way. 
See, it's not, a, it's, just, it's not enough to say I'm convicted about my sin. We're to go to Jesus with our sin. And think of it this way. Think of a sheep herding dog, right? You've all seen border collies, right? You know, that tongue's way, you know, out there. And, you know, get on board. And that sheep herder, that collie, that border collie, is moving around those sheep. I remember when I was over in Israel. It was amazing over in Israel there to see these dogs just constantly out and about with those, those sheep herders. And those border collies would be all around. What are those collies doing? They're running out in head of the herd, and they're moving that herd in the proper direction. They're, they're, they're stopping the herd, changing directions with that herd. I understand that some of them, these, these uh, border collies are known as headers. That means they're out in front, heading off those who would be straying and being led in a misleading way. And that is like repentance. <laughs> repentance is calling us to stop. Stop the sin. And to turn to Christ. Change directions. Go to Christ with our sin. Well, repentance goes out in front of us. And repentance is leading us to turn to Christ. And you see, this whole matter of, yes, knowing something about our sin and going to Jesus in prayer to confess that sin and to receive his forgiveness is again, is again giving focus that Jesus Christ is our Savior in that he, uh, he was the one who was abiding with his Father continually. Our tendency is to see our sin. Now, Christ had no sin. But our tendency is to wallow in that sin. Make sure we have all kinds of conviction about that sin. Make sure we're sufficiently ruined in our sin. That's my heart's tendency. And so I wallow. But Jesus, by who he is, by being our Savior, would abide with his Father, turn to his Father in prayer, live in his Father's strength, go to his Father in his favor. And that's what we're doing. We turn from sin and we say, Father, receive me. Father, I turn from the sin, hear me. And it's because of Jesus' well-pleasing sacrifice. This is the good news of Christ. He is our Savior. He who knew no sin was one always turning to his Father in that constant prayer, thus modeling for us, fleeing from our sin and going to our Father, fleeing from our ruin, going to our Father, and to receive that pardon and that forgiveness of our sin. So you see, repentance is not to stop at conviction. No, it goes on to Christ, believing Christ living in Christ, turning to Christ. Number two, number two. Repentance is not going to a substitute Jesus. There are substitutes. No, no, it's going to Christ himself. Look again at Mark chapter one. Here, there's the whole notation for us about the ministry of John the Baptist. He is preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. We know that. He's the forerunner. He's announcing the coming of the Lord. But note here is a notable contrast between John the Baptist and Jesus. Look at verse 7. And John preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Elsewhere, we'll read in other Gospels that John had these words to say. John the Baptist, he said, he, that he, speaking of himself, John must decrease, and what? Jesus, remember that word? Jesus must what? 
Increase, that's right. So John must decrease and Jesus must increase. Now in our passage, what's being explained to us is that John is out there preaching at the Jordan River. And the significance is this. He's pointing people to Christ. He's pointing to the significance of Christ. He's pointing to Christ who is the powerful one, the almighty God in the flesh. He's saying Jesus is so significant that he himself is unfit to even stoop low and untie his sandals. Commentators believe that that was an expression. If you're going to untie someone's sandals, that was an expression that you're going to take their sandals off to do what? Wash their feet. He's not even worthy to wash the master's feet. That's what he means. But now John also says something else. John himself is using the physical sign of water the physical sign of a baptism of repentance to prepare for the coming of the Lord. That's going on. But John is quick to say, look, I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Spirit. And this is shorthand in John's preaching. This is shorthand that the kingdom has come. This is shorthand that this is the Savior. He is the one who lives the righteous life. He is the one, this is, to be baptized by the Spirit, as you're going to see in a second, it's all shorthand for us to see that Jesus has come to live. He has come to die. He has come to be buried in the tomb. He has come to be raised on the third day. The tomb is empty. He has come to be ascended on high, to be received back up to the clouds of glory with his Father, and then what? To send the Holy Spirit. This phrase that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit is in miniature a package statement about the gifts of the gospel. It's in miniature a package statement about the coming of the Lord and the gifts of salvation that he will accomplish, that he will be bestowing on people and giving. And he summarizes it by this baptism of the Spirit because that's the whole point. His, his, his redemption will be accomplished and then applied to you. He will do the work by his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and he'll also send his spirit to you. The package will be yours. Now, Mark, where are you getting this? If you want to take a quick look with me, turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, if you're so desirous. And it's only because we know the book of Acts is about the ascension of our Lord, right? It's about the ascension of our Lord and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the church. Look at Acts chapter 1 here at verse 5. <laughs> Jesus is saying at verse 5, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I'm only wanting you to see the connection of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and now the book of Acts, the life, the sacrificial death at Calvary's cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension that we have echoed in Luke and now here in Acts 1, but now the giving and the outpouring of the Spirit. What's going on here? The greatness of Christ is being exhibited to us, congregation. Why would we repent, so-called repent, and go to a substitute Jesus with our sin? Here's the greatness of the living Savior. Here's the whole package of salvation bestowed upon you. If you're living in Christ tonight, you have all the resources in him 
and all the gifts of the knowledge of the word of God, of the promises of God that are yours, why would you ever go to a substitute Jesus? Mark, why would you ever go to a substitute Jesus with your repentance? I was up in Alaska. And those were the days of planting a church up there. And I was counseling a person. I met with that person several times anyway. But in those days, I remember it vividly, particularly, I was ensnared with the sin of the fear of man. I would elevate men and women. I would esteem them to the expense of saying, I will follow man, not God. So I was in counseling with this person. I was pastoring the congregation up there. One particular instance, I was not graciously bold. Call it graciously, call it bold. I was not going to the person to confront them about sin. I later went over to see another man in the church, a good, faithful man. He was training to be an elder. He knew about my counseling ministry going on. And at one point in the conversation, he said, Mark, why are you telling me about this failure of yours? This snare of the fear of man. Have you gone to Christ with your sin? And he said something like this, I am not your advocate. I am not your savior. You need to go to Christ and repent of your sin. And I started weeping for that man. The counselor needed counseling. Husbands, your wife knows that she must decrease and Jesus must increase in your life. And wives, your husband knows that he must decrease and that Christ must increase in your life. You see, it's not going to an employer about some area of hardship and difficulty and trial and sin in the senses that I'm talking about tonight. Sin. So it's not going to a boss. It's not going to a neighbor. It's not going to a son or a daughter. Some of us adults have troubles there. It's not going to a dog or a cat, right? It's going to Jesus Christ with your sin. But our tendency is to go to a substitute, Jesus. And we're being rebuked in the passage. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. John is telling us, the Baptist is telling us, he must decrease, Christ must increase. The point is, he's the one who's mightier. He's the one who's sufficient. He's the one who graciously receives us because he sympathizes and, and he understands. He sympathizes with and he understands our troubles, our hardships, our sins. And he's able to hear us. So in terms of repentance, it's not going to a substitute Jesus. Here's our last one now. Repentance is more than looking at isolated personal, particular sins. It is that. 
But it's more than looking at your personal particular sins. No, no, we're being taught in this passage, repentance includes a repentance about the whole and the totality of life. Look at verse 17. In this section of the passage, Jesus is now beside the Sea of Galilee. And there would be uh, the sons, uh, the, the brothers, Simon and Andrew, and then the brothers, James and John, right? They're fishers of men, or they're, 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 they're fishermen. So Jesus comes alongside of them in verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Look at verse 20. He called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and went after him. We're talking tonight about repentance. It is turning to Jesus Christ. It's going to him with our sin for forgiveness, confession, telling him plainly of our sin and receiving his forgiveness. Here in our passage, Jesus uses these words, follow me. And these other words here about leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and then what? Going after him. It's the repetition of those words, follow. They left their nets. And then again, they went after him, and they followed. See, here's Christ's clarion call. He's saying, repent. And what is he saying? Leave everything. Repent and leave behind your ordinary. Repent and surrender to him the whole of your life. And this echo of repentance, this call to repentance, comes in this vocational circumstance. These men have their livelihood of fishing on the sea there. But it's all representative. They're to leave everything and come and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I have in my notes here, they're to leave their Galilean nets and to become servants with their Great Commission nets, right? <laughs> so what's going on here? Should we have a concern about particular sins? Absolutely. Particular personal sins? Absolutely. But in Jesus' announcement of the gospel of the kingdom, He's giving this heart cry to the thousands that would be around him that serving in the kingdom of God is calling for a whole new life. That's what he's saying. A whole new life. And this serving in the kingdom of God is about newness and renewal and taking part in the new creation. He's calling these first disciples to a sea that is now the whole world. He's saying now, men and women of the nations, they're now going to be your catch. <laughs> Repentance is following Christ, and it's all-encompassing. Every sphere of life penetrating, and it's worldwide ministry directed. This is the totality of life that Jesus is speaking to. A good shepherd, I want to exhort you here tonight. Do you see repentance as a gift seen in this light? You see, we're being called, good shepherd, we're being called that together we, we, we would turn away from our puniness of thinking about our repentance. 
puniness. We have a tendency to think very narrowly about personal, private repentance. And our tendency is to stay there. Implicit in the passage is that repentance is the whole of life having to bear on every sphere of life, every domain, every nation, every people. Do you realize that when you repent, what, is, what are we saying? When you repent of your sin, you're getting caught up into the full sweep of God's renewing work in the whole world. That's what's going on in the passage. Repentance is, is connected with leaving the fishing nets behind and going and following Christ. Why? Because he's on this world, cosmic, renewing, recreation of all of life. In the 60s, maybe it was the 50s, 1950s, the book was written by J.B. Phillips, a British minister. He wrote the book, Your God is Too Small. Maybe some of you read that book. This passage is saying, your repentance is too small. When you turn and follow Christ, you are being caught up into new life, new purpose, the new works of God's subduing work in this world. And in that light, you see, your repentance has a kingdom bearing. You model repentance. We benefit from your model. That model then just ripples out like a stone being tossed into a pond and those ripples just flow out to others. The point is there's an influential ministry that you have and it's all a part of God's kingdom work that is spreading and enlarging and growing. He's calling your repentance to be seen in the light of his mission. We're to cast our nets into the deep where peoples are being subdued, authorities are being subdued, all spheres of life are being subdued. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand, renewing, redeeming, and recreating all things for his great name. So you see, the gift of repentance is a glorious one. It does include conviction, but it means fleeing to Christ for forgiveness. It is not going to a substitute Jesus, but in fact, going to Christ and truly going to Christ alone, telling him of your sin, receiving his forgiveness. It does have an eye on specific sins, as we've said, but it has an eye on that larger cosmic call wherein Jesus is at work and he's renewing the whole world. That hymn, we start off with that hymn, Lord, I'm prone to wander and Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. The hymn writer goes on and says, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above, right? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there are the areas of our lives that you are searching by your word and by your spirit.
And thus you are calling us to turn away from our sin and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive his forgiveness. And so, Lord, uh, may it be so. May our lives be showing forth this kind of discipleship, always going to Christ, always eager to see his beauties and his glories, his marvels, his forgiving love. As well, O Lord, we pray that you would show us the grandeur of the wider scope and purposes of repentance. Lord, may it be that as we come to Christ and live in Christ, uh, Lord, this is, this is this wider perspective of your glorious work of redeeming uh, the lost and seeing lives transformed. Oh God, what a, what a privilege it is in this way to participate in the work of Christ and what he's doing. We thank you now for these good things and we pray your blessing upon us. Continue to teach us and lead us. We are your children and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.